With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the War Room edition of the Jaguar Report. I am joined by my co-host, Gene Smith Jr., the one and only Gus Love. Gus, how you You're doing, man? So mean. Is it just because of the G's? Mean Gene. <laughs> all right. Well, I was I was having a good day until that one. But yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm excited for the show. We've got, uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, the, the reason, you know, Gus excited and well, I'm calling it the War Room Edition of the Jaguar Report Podcast. Gus and I are going to do a dueling, a dueling seven-round mock drafts in this podcast, and you'll see which one of us can come away with the better haul in the 2021 NFL Draft if we were the ones picking. Uh, you know, this isn't – we're not going to do uh, what we think the picks would be, uh, at, least, uh, at least I'm not. I'm going to be doing how I, as a general manager, would pick because, as I've often said, my draft record is pretty, you know, impactful. I got the, I got the misses here, there, you know, ignore every Dwayne Haskins take I ever had two years ago, but otherwise I'm, I'm feeling good about my general manager capabilities. All right. Well, I'm going to draft like Gene Smith, but well, I already knew no. that you're going to place an <laughs> emphasis on character guys who are married and are lunch pail guys and coaches sons who are the first guys in the building. They're actually all going to get to the building at the same time. <laughs> yeah i've got a list of about seven guys and that's it no matter what <laughs> I, bet, I bet you do kevin costner all right well with with that said uh, i'm i'm excited to hop into this uh you know draft is just about two weeks away now at this point i was telling gus you know before we had hopped on that i thought with knowing exactly who they would pick at number one overall because i i don't care what anybody says this pick was made the second you know they earned number one overall pick like uh, they they could have hired you know anybody to be their head coach and this is who their pick was going to be so even though knowing who the number one pick is going to be this draft process has not to me felt like it's gone by fast like I have no stock in like the Justin Fields Zach Wilson Mac Jones debate but it, I am beyond ready for it to be over like it is right up there with Julian Edelman Hall of Fame talks for like things that I am just uh I, I'm ready to get this over with yeah, we spent a full day online talking about who the Bengals are going to pick, which is the first day or the Dude, most like, we spent any time talking about the Bengals. About like, the exactly like like it matters. Like, if, if we're just being objective, like like if, if we're being honest, like it matters. With that said, take Suwell. <laughs> yeah, for sure, agreed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like Jamar Chase too. He's uh, I'm, I'm also uh, for listeners. I'm going to be dropping um, my kind of. Uh, you know, draft, not a draft guide or anything like that, but, you know, my pre-draft rankings, I'm going to be doing a, you know, Jaguar-specific big board and then my own personal rankings. And, I mean, I, I love Jamar Chase. You know, he's my receiver number two. But I just think Sewell is such a, a freak talent. And at 20 years old, if like if, if the Jaguars didn't have the number one overall pick and they ended the season with, like, the third or fourth, I mean, I, I'd take him over Zach Wilson or Mac Jones. I wouldn't take him over Justin Fields, but. The only other player I wouldn't take him over is Kyle Pitts. But, yeah, I'm with you there. That... True, true. Good point, good point. All right, well, with that said, uh, we, we are now set to get into our dueling mock drafts. We're going to be using Pro Football Network's uh, mock draft simulator. Uh, you know, th there's a lot of good mock draft simulators out there. Draft Network has a really good one. Pro Football Focus has a really good one. Uh, literally going with this one because I type in my search bar and it's one of the ones that pops up first. So with that said, I'm going to get kick it off. Uh, we're going to go basically back and forth. Uh, you know, I'm going to pick number one, then Gus picks number one, and then I'll pick 25, et cetera, et cetera. Gus, I'm going to be bold with the first overall pick. Uh, and kind of surprised. Don't people. do it. Uh, Don't do it. <laughs> all right. Get ready for 
the hometown king, McCorkle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, Trevor Lawrence, obvious pick at number one overall. Like I said, there isn't any scenario where another player is even considered. And I think that says a lot because I think in the NFL draft, you have to look at all options. Like the, the Jaguars, they like they had to, you know, evaluate and scout all these quarterbacks. But Lawrence just so clearly to me, the top prospect in this class, not just the top quarterback, but the top prospect in this class, that I think it's just one of those rare years, especially in recent memory, where there's no question about who should be the number one overall pick. You know, like like when Baker Mayfield went number one overall, no, nobody had any idea who was going to go number one that year. But I I have never once gotten that sense this year, even at the peak of the Zach Wilson hype, which to this day still befuddles me to a bit. And I say that as somebody who's a fan of uh, Wilson's game. So this is the easiest pick to me to make uh, in the entire draft. Yeah. I mean, it's Lawrence. And I feel like we're both kind of Fields guys in that in – years where Lawrence isn't in the draft field is like a number one pick caliber kind of guy. But I mean, there's not really even an explanation needed. It's just Lawrence yeah. and move on. Yeah. I'm excited no, I, though for, to see how much time they spend before, like, cause they kind of have to use up all the time anyway. Right. Just to make sure they don't get five first rounders from whoever. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm still half expecting for the networks to go to commercial when the number one pick uh, <laughs> comes up this year. But no, I, I'm with you. I, uh, you know, not not to give away all the content, my pre-draft rankings, but I mean, I put it on Twitter the other day. Justin Fields, I think, is the second best player in this class. And I think Fields is closer to Lawrence than he is to like guys like Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or anything like that. So I'm with you. If, if the Jaguars were picking number two overall instead of number one overall and the Jets were getting Lawrence, I – I think each one of us would have been pounding, you know, the drum all off season that uh, fields should be the pick. So uh, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. It's easy. All right. So moving on to number 25, I got several trade offers, including a humorous one from the Bengals <laughs> that I am not, I'm not even going to pick that the phone up on, on Zach Taylor on that one. So reject that. All right. Picking now at 25, there's a few interesting guys on the board, but a few of my favorites also went off right beforehand. Uh, j- just the five picks before I'm picking now were Christian Derrissaw at 20, K. Whitty Pay at 21, Samuel Cosme at 22, Greg Newsom at 23, and Zayvon Collins at 24. I- I'll be honest with you, I would have considered all of those guys at this pick. So, you know, that, that makes it a bit tougher. The-, the guys at this pick I really like are Trayvon Moreg, who are on the board, and Tevin Jenkins. Uh, Moreg obviously would fill more of a need. Uh, you know, because the Jaguars still need a rangy safety in the back end. But I, honestly, I'm going to go with Jenkins here. I think he has legitimate Pro Bowl potential at several spots on the offensive line. Uh, and he helps the Jaguars out both in the short term with its flexibility and the long term. Because, I mean, th- they need answers at each offensive tackle spot past this season. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma State offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins at number 25 overall. And I am very sorry that his name is one letter away from being Taven but you will all get used to it. <laughs> and 20, 25 instead of 26, right? Or it wasn't 26, 2017. Where was Taven drafted? Taven was drafted 2018 and 29th. 28th. All right. Well, anyway, um, I really like that pick. I think I would make the same pick if I were picking at 25, but I think I'm not going to pick at 25 oh. just because I think that um, Jenkins is one of the guys that I'll be really excited about if it, they fell to 25, but I'm not really that excited about a ton of guys in the back end of the first round. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a, like at positions like safety and defensive tackle, which like I'd want to address. I think there's guys that are as good in day two than whoever you'd be like probably reaching for in day one. And then other positions like running back and receiver, I just don't really want to address until later in the draft anyway. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to accept this bounty from the Titans that I'm getting in my like simulator so I'm giving up 25 and I'm getting picked 53, uh-huh. 85, 126, and a 2022 20, second rounder. Okay. Okay. I, I, so that's I, like, honestly, considering how they're picking at 33, and that's not even 10 picks after 25, I, I don't right. think not getting, you know, like a not getting like another pick like super soon or whatever in that top like 50 or whatever is that big of a deal. So no, I actually like that. Thank you. Yeah. So I think it's two seconds and two fourths, which, yeah. I mean, I would take just, I think two seconds for a late first would be pretty fair. So I'll take that two extras as well. 
Yeah, no, I, just out of curiosity on it, who, who did the Titans pick at 25? Um, oh, it went super fast. Let me try to go back to it. You can still see it. On, on, you can still see it. Oh, uh, they took I, Joseph uh, Asaya from Texas, the edge. Okay, okay. Yeah, I like him a lot. Which makes like sense for them. Yeah, it does. Okay, all right. Well, you traded back. Uh, yeah. So does that mean that we are now going to pick number 33? Yes. Okay, sounds good. All right, I'm back on the board at pick 33. I'm getting, uh, you know, several offers. You know, I got some from the Rams, some from the Buccaneers, but instead I'm going to go ahead and pick at 33, and I'm, I'm going to take a roll of the dice here. You know, this is a pick I, I could honestly see happening. You know, there's always a guy that people say, no way he falls out the first round that he does. And I'm going to take Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley. Uh, you know, he he both opted out the 2020 season, which seems like he unfairly will likely get dinged for by a few teams. But he's also, you know, back injury, had an operation this offseason. So he's not a guy who may even, you know, there are probably questions about when he'll be able to get back on the field. But I think at 33, he is just too – too much upside to pass up on. I know they signed Shaquille Griffin, but Farley is the guy who has the movement skills to where he can play in the slot early on. And if, if you have three cornerbacks with those kind of athletic profiles, plus Sidney Jones and Trey Herndon waiting in the wings, I think you instantly take one of the NFL's worst secondaries into one of the most promising cornerback rooms in the entire NFL. All right. Yeah. I like that pick a lot, especially if he kind of falls there. I feel like at the beginning of the draft season or whatever, he was probably cornerback one, and since then, Horn has jumped a lot. I know you yeah. like him, and then uh, Sersen has kind of been up there the whole time. And yeah, so... no, the the uh, it, the injury, I really think, you know, could knock him out. of Like, he's that guy this year who I think, he like, he could be this year's Miles Jack, you know, like the guy who's a top 10 prospect, but for whatever reason, he's not drafted on, in round one. Did Farley get injured, or did he opt out? He opted out, but he also had a back uh, surgery this offseason. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so, 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 kind of has both of those working against them and you said you think um you would put farley in the slot in, in front of henderson and kill griffin yeah okay gotcha all yeah. right yeah yeah he, I like that he, pick a he, lot. He, he underwent a back procedure in mid-march okay so that's always worrisome but i feel like at 33 i feel like i feel like that's where you can take a swing here and you know this is a guy who if healthy he's a top 15 pick so I, I, I just I when I saw that he was still available, like I, I you know, you got to jump on that. Uh, other guys I considered. I'm, I'll be honest. I, I know I'll catch your ear for this, but uh, or whatever, the, however you pronounce it. I don't care at this point, but I considered uh, Travis Etienne at 33. Uh, OK, <laughs> I think it just makes so much more sense <laughs> to ire. draft. Ire. Oh. That's what it is. Ire. Ire. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think just getting a running back on day three or even day two makes a lot more sense since the team already has James Robinson and kind of the state of the position league-wide. And, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, ETN no, does no, make a lot I, of sense if they do I, go early. Yeah, no, understand. understand. I, I know um, they are the unpaid interns of the NFL in your eyes, so I <laughs> – I completely I'm just only kidding. in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, not only in yours, but no, I, I understand completely. But all right. Uh, well, moving past 33 now, Gus, it is now your pick at 33. Who you got? Right. I'm going to do the opposite of you. You had a good value pick. I'm going to reach a little bit. Um, I think that like reaching in the NFL kind of is not a great idea in general, like to to reach for a specific position, I mean but I'm going to do it anyway with uh, Pat Freermuth from Penn state, just because it's a glaring hole for the Jaguars, not just right now, but for the past like decade plus since Mercedes Lewis like stops contributing in the passing game really. And so I think it just makes a lot of sense, but I also think that like Pitts is on a tier of his own and then Freermuth I would say is on a tier of his own. And then like, there's kind of a drop off after him. And so I think that he would be a really good pick at 45 and just a solid pick at 33, but I'm willing to take him now to be able to fill that hole, have a valuable um, weapon for Trevor Lawrence, and be able to like avoid the drop off in tears if he gets picked before 45. No, that, that's perfectly understandable. And honestly, that's one of those picks that I think could be, you know, as realistic as, you know, Trevor Lawrence at number one overall, because I mean, all the connections are there. They need the position, uh, you know, his position coach in college played you know for the Jaguars tight end coach now so I, I think it makes a lot of sense and I'm with you I think he's pretty easily tied in number two um 
I don't have him like like insanely highly graded above Tommy Trimble, but Pat Firemuth makes a lot more sense for the Jaguars than he does because his production as a receiver is just, you know, incomparable. He's much more of a, you know, traditional type tight end, a guy who my, my comparison for him has been Kyle Rudolph, you know, really good inline guy, really good possession guy, really good in the red zone. So I think he would be a really effective weapon for Trevor Lawrence early on. And I don't think he'd, even eliminates you from adding to the position in the future because you can basically just take Chris Manhurts's role, but he can actually provide you more, you know, more value as a receiver, if that makes sense. Yeah. My comp form is Zach Ertz or a more athletic Zach Ertz, which okay. I don't know if that even really makes sense, but no, no, it yeah. does. I, I've always kind of felt like Zach Ertz's athleticism has kind of been overstated. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, he has like a average yards after catch of like 0.1. So there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree that I'm like, I'm not in love with Freemuth as a prospect or whatever. And that's kind of why I think he'd be a better pick at 45, but I I think it's worth, he's worth taking and has definitely has a high enough floor that he'd be fine at 33. Yeah, no, no, definitely understandable. Like he's a player who I'm very confident he won't be bad. You know, like I'm, yeah, I I, I, like, I I think if you take him, you're not going to be like, like, oh, god you know like what what in god's name did we do with that pick you know like you yeah, might be like to okay. trade him to the ravens for a seventh it, rounder exactly like you, you might feel like okay maybe we could have done a little better because i i don't think his ceiling is that of like a top five tight end in the nfl but i i think that's an understandable move and i mean i would have considered him he wasn't even available for me though oh really yeah the saints took him in the first round which would be something <laughs> something i mean yeah. they already have another guy who can play tight end there but, Taysom Hill? Yep. Okay, see, uh, the, the the sicko in me for a second thought you meant Adam Troutman, but I'm like, there's no reason for you to know who Adam Troutman is. Like, I, I like Adam Troutman. Okay, there I'm, you go. You know, the, there you go. I mean, yeah. He's Pat Fryermuth who went to a small school. All right, number number 45 overall. I, I'm going to have to do it. You know, I, I, <laughs> I've, I've gotten three first-round players already. I'm going to get the only running back I think that you can justify taking in the top 50 this year. I'm going to take Travis Etienne at 45. I'm with you on 100% on the running back argument. You know, there's not any part of it where I disagree. The only part that I, that makes me want to make this pick is because I think out of out of every running back in this draft, Etienne probably fits what the Jaguars need in the position more than anything. And he's a guy who you can keep on the field with James Robinson. You know, he's a guy who his his impacts could be made more, in my opinion, more in the passing game than as a rusher. You know, at at, at the NFL level. So I, I I think he adds a lot of versatility to the offense. Obviously, has comfort with Trevor Lawrence. The value isn't good, but I think you're at least getting a home run hitter for an offense that doesn't really have any. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it's definitely something that I need. The thing, like. I don't know. You already kind of covered it, but like, I think that the, like having the like speed back and scheme guy is kind of like a luxury. And so the, like the Jaguars aren't really going or probably shouldn't be going for luxury picks right now. Like the mm-hmm. Kansas city chiefs won the super bowl. And then they said, okay, I think we think that a running back who can take advantage of light boxes and the flats on cover three, when that's used against us is going to be like the final step to our process. And a lot of people after the re- most recent super bowl said that like the bucks I mean, the Chiefs needed like another really good third receiver. And I think that's kind of what they wanted um, CEH to be. But I mean, I'm talking way too much about <laughs> CEH. No, I mean, but... I mean I, I'll be completely honest with you. If I didn't make picks at 25 and 33, like if, if this was like the Jaguars' second pick in the draft, I, I, don't, right. I don't think that's a pick you can justify at all. It just, to, to me, just the, the fit between prospect and team need matched up perfectly in the sense that I think he is better enough to a degree than every other running back who fits them and their needs. Like, like we mentioned earlier, Najee Harris, you know, he stylistically, I really don't think he's that different, you know, from James Robinson other than, you know, maybe he has more of a route package, you know, but ETN is that actually that home run threat. And you're right that it is a luxury. I just feel like when you're looking at this offense next year, if you don't add more speed to it, at every position, you're going to be wondering why you didn't help Trevor Lawrence out more because for as efficient and as safe as a player as James Robinson is, there's a reason he didn't rush for, you know, 1,700 yards last year. You know, great player, but 
his lack of speed is evident and it's the reason he was undrafted. You know, his bad 40 time is probably the reason why he went undrafted. So uh, I think ETN is a guy you can play with Robinson, but I also agree with you. I mean, I'll, I'll openly admit the value is bad. Like um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, perfectly, I'm perfectly okay with that. I'm not a good value drafter in any sense of the word. <laughs> no, I mean, it's to help Trevor, like you said, like that's, that should be priority. Number one. That's like one of the big reasons that I was like, so on a receiver last year in the first round, Yeah. like CD lamb and Jerry Judy are like awesome, but they also would have been so helpful for Gardner last year. And then, Maybe not Garner last year, um, but certainly Trevor for the future. Yeah, and and it was already looking evident then that they're going to take a quarterback in this year's draft. But I mean, it's the same thing with like I picked Fearmuth because there's kind of a drop off in tier, and so you're sure. going to do the same thing. So yeah, and, yeah. Good. I, I was just going to say I think it, the pick makes sense, and even if it's not what I would do, it's not a bad pick. Yeah, and like I said, if. If I thought he was going to make more of an impact as a rusher than as a pass catcher, I wouldn't even like like Javante Williams. I think is a really talented prospect, but I mean, I I wouldn't even consider him at any point. I was a Jaguars like like <laughs> like there's just some guys who stylistically don't make sense, but ETN to me it makes right. more sense than anyone. Want to make your own podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then lets you distribute it everywhere and anywhere, and even earn money right from it. And it's all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. And here is how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, no matter where you're at, you can start creating today. Gus, you are now on the board with pick number 45 overall. I just picked uh, Travis Etienne and made uh, analytics Twitter. If this pick actually happened, I'm positive it would burn down. I already saw some takes when somebody floated out there yesterday about how angry it would make some people. <laughs> Again, would, wouldn't be a good pick value at any point, and I wouldn't consider it before 45. Gus, what is your pick at 45, and do you get better value than me, the appreciator of the running back position? <laughs> um, well, I do get a value, but it's more less so because of positional value and more so just because – this guy is a freak. It's Landon Dickerson who fell at 45. And so, I mean, he's arguably the best interior offensive line prospect since Quentin Nelson, who was drafted like what fifth overall by the Colts a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that the offensive line is kind of set in their starters for the Jaguars, but that does also definitely does not mean that they can improve. And so I think Dickerson um, would immediately be able to like compete with AJ Cam at right guard and then be a potential like um, future starter for either can or uh, Norwell because both of their contracts end after next season. And so it's kind of a, just a high ups pick on a position that I think the Jaguars are going to value highly, which is like just really good offensive line. Yeah, no, absolutely. He, he, he's a guy who I'm, I'm a big fan of. So I mean, I think that pick makes a lot of sense. And what I think people forget Gus, when it comes to Jaguars offensive line is, you know, obviously the Jaguars, they've said it a million times and they've proven that that they feel good about their offensive line for this year. But the long term, like future of the offensive line is like a big question mark right now. You know, Robinson's only technically under contract for this year. Uh, None of their interior guys are under contract for longer than two more seasons, I believe. Can can is a free agent after this season. I believe Norwell is as well. And then the jury is still out on Jawan Taylor. So I, I, I think taking – I don't think there's a point in the draft where it's too early for them to take an offensive lineman after they take Lawrence. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of a another luxury pick almost just because, like I said, I think they feel confident with the offensive line going into 2021. But as I said, there's – or as we both said, there's a lot of question marks in the future, and it certainly can't not get better. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so we are now moving on to the third round, and I am at pick number 65. There's a couple (laughs) guys that I really wish didn't go off the board right when they did, uh, Peyton Turner and 
Davion Nixon uh, literally went like the two picks before me, and I would have picked either one of those guys. Uh, Turner is an uber-athletic edge out of Houston who has said he met with the Jaguars already a few times. And then Nixon is probably right behind Christian Barmore in terms of uh, pass rush from the defensive tackle position. But those guys went off the board right beforehand. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to adjust, and I'm going to go with – tight end Hunter Long from Boston College. Uh, Long isn't necessarily a dynamic athlete, but, you know, a lot of production as a red zone threat, very good blocker. And his college, you know, head coach, when he first got to Boston College, Steve, as they, I, 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 I always mess up saying his name, you know, the, the dudes being dudes guy, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. He uh, was one of Urban Meyer's, you know, top confidants, top lieutenants at Florida. You know, Meyer even said on a podcast, you know, a few months ago that he talked to him about coming with him to the NFL, but he only, you know, the talks didn't go very far. So Meyer will get all the intel he needs on him and he fills their tight end need for the present. He's not a dynamic athlete by any means, but he's at least soft hands and proven production. Okay. Yeah. I like that a lot. So, like how I said, there's kind of a drop off after Free Move. Yeah. There's also kind of a drop off after Long. So I think it's good that you kind of were able to address one of the biggest holes that the Jaguars have going into the draft with Long, who's definitely a solid prospect. And so Steve I like that da- pick. Steve Adazio. Okay, there, there you go. go. Yeah, I have no idea what his name was either. Guys <laughs> being dudes. <laughs> there it is. Um, I actually forgot that I have I because I trade with the Titans, so I have 53rd pick <laughs> and the 65th. And so I mean that, that's the beauty of trading back, John. You have more more potential for mistakes. Um, so I'm going to spend my first mistake on Davion Nixon just okay. to um, continue to bolster the defensive line, which, I mean, I'm sure the Jaguars are going to want to keep continue to keep doing, especially after Tyson uh, Alualu ended up going back to the Steelers. And so I think, I mean, Nixon is just kind of a freak athlete with a lot of potential. And so I think being able to have him be part of the rotation, but also not, have to be one of like the full-fledged starters from day one could be uh really nice and so nixon is my pick at 53 and then um let's let it simulate my next pick is going to be um andre cisco from syracuse which i mean javon holland is still on the board and so that would probably make a lot more sense because holland is also really good Mm -hmm. but andre cisco is one of the few of people in this draft that are like I like to say are like my guys just because I thought I think he's like just his tape and his abilities are just like way higher than his projection like the fourth round or so and um yeah I like him a lot I think a secondary player but especially like a defensive back who can play like nickel or free safety or safety um is kind of like a need for the Jaguars and so they get it with Cisco who mostly plays free safety but can kind of go all over the field yeah, no, I think that pick uh, honestly makes a lot of sense. Uh, each of those picks, you know, especially after, you know, Alalu ended up re-signing with the Steelers. The Jaguars, they still have a little bit room in their defensive tackle rotation, and they need more guys who are basically twitched up and can get to the quarterback. And, you know, Taven Bryan's obviously explosive, but he offers no value as a pass rusher. You know, he doesn't have any moves. He doesn't have any real instincts. You laugh, but, you know, it's true. Three and a half sacks through three years and he's never missed a game due to injury. So a guy whose skill set should be suited for pass rushing, isn't good at pass rushing. Nixon is the exact opposite. So I'm a fan of that pick. And I like Cisco a lot. I probably would have gone Holland just because I think he's a great fit for them. Like he can basically be like a a nickel cornerback. You know, he's not going to match up with any of the small shifty guys, but he can lock down tight ends and bigger receivers. He's great against the run, but I like Cisco a lot too. His uh, ball production is really impressive. So I I, I don't think, you know, those are two picks that you could really go wrong with. Uh, The Nixon one, especially, I think you're getting really good value with. Yeah, Cisco is like, like my player comp for him, I think it was Russell Westbrook. He just like shoots out of cannons and <laughs> is just like, it's like just like a straight line blur. It's pretty awesome. And then like Morig, like part of the reason I traded down from 25 is because I like Morig, but I don't love him. But my player comp for him is probably uh, Luka Doncic because like the way he plays the game is like, he kind of takes his time and plays at his own pace and like isn't rushed, but he's still like an incredible player. Yeah. And so I think, I think there's like a really like, strong kind of like second level safety class and so like and that the Jaguars will be able to attack it on day two pretty well yeah no for sure I mean this is a safety class where like 
yeah, there's not a ton of dudes at like the very top of it who are like super tantalizing or anything like that. But I think throughout the draft, there are guys who are just interesting and guys who are worth, you know, kind of rolling the dice on. So I, I'm with you there. All right. What's your, uh, what's next? Okay. 85? Let's see. No, uh, 106. Oh, that's not a Titans pick. No, 106. <laughs> yep. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to trade away my, uh, my other pick from the Titans since I already just spent one I'll, and I'll okay. get a future rounder. So okay. go ahead on 106. Okay. 106. This is a really tough one, but I'm going to go with, there's a couple of different guys I like here. Tutu Atwell, you know, has a lot of hype as like a speedy guy and a, you know, smaller vertical threat, but at like 158 or whatever he measured in as pro day, he did not test well enough for me to consider this early so i think i'm going to go with iowa receiver amir smith marset uh you know one of the best athletes in this class you know he isn't that small shifty guy that the jaguars can put in the slot but you know he jumps out of the gym over a 42 inch vertical jump has has a you know skill set and a frame that you can develop on the outside i see this as just really really athletic depth but he also offers a lot of value on special teams, which I think Urban Meyer would, would really covet. And he gives you insurance, you know, in the event that, you know, Marvin Jones is on a two-year contract and DJ Chark's on the last year of his deal. So I do think they need to add a young receiver to continue to develop behind those two. Yeah, that's an awesome pick. I will definitely do the same one if I could. I think he's kind of gotten a lot of hype um, during draft season, but it's for good reason. So I think he's yeah. going to – I mean, originally I think he was like maybe a seventh rounder, at this point, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked uh, on day two. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. I mean, he's just like a speed, speed uh, speedster, like uh, Meyer wanted, but definitely with potential to develop into more than just a vertical threat. So I like that pick a lot. Okay, you are now next on the board, Gus. Who are you taking? Okay, uh, I'm gonna go with. Sadie thinks your pick sucks for a record. But <laughs> she can read my mind. Okay, not that yeah. one. I'll find another <laughs> one. Uh, I'm going to go with Sean Wade from Ohio State, partly just because I'm excited to see re the reaction from this pick to see if I get roasted or it, for it or not. But Sean Wade was really good in 2019 when uh, the Ohio State had a lot, kind of a lot more talent and he was able to play in the nickel. He was like probably a projected late first or early more like second round prospect. Um, but then he was kind of terrible last year just because his efforts level seemed to drop off and he played a lot more outside because of departing um, players from Ohio State from the year before. And so his draft stock has kind of tumbled a little bit in the past few months. But I think if you kind of play him at the position that like shows his strengths, so if you're kind of able to get him into that nickel or maybe like a box safety if they want to run three safety sets, which I think Colin would definitely be interested in, then I think Sean Wade is a pretty solid value pick for that kind of role. No, I, I think Sean Wade makes a lot of sense. You know, not only is he a guy Meyer knows well and Meyer recruited, but I mean, I, he's a guy who makes sense for the defense. You know, he's not going to be a the first round defensive back that so many people thought he was going to be because, you know, like you said, he just he cannot keep up with many receivers on the outside but he's a really talented slot defender. You know, like he, he he's just one of those guys. He excels at, attacking downhill and filling against the run he can cut off underneath routes and as long as you keep things in front of him he, he he's going to make plays so I, I actually I, I like that pick a lot especially you know where you made it so I, I I think that's a good pick to make especially you know like I said at this time in the draft right okay so next up I am now picking once again at pick let me see 130 Okay, a few guys I really like uh, went off the board. Uh, Patrick Jones and Edge from Pittsburgh definitely would have been my pick. And I know I just went receiver, but Marquez Stevenson from Houston would have also been in consideration. So there are a few different guys I'm looking at here, but I think I'm going to go with Tulane uh, Edge defender Cam Sample. You know, he's a bigger guy. He's more of a power guy, but I, I think he'll remind the Jaguars a bit of John Ward uh, when he was coming out. And I think he's a guy who will impress them with his ability to play, you know, with his hand down on the line of scrimmage and even standing up and create plays in the backfield. You know, he's not the most dynamic athlete, but he has really good production and he brings, you know, some power element to their pass rush rotation. Okay. So you would have him like playing edge in the rotation with, or like outside linebacker, I guess, with Allen and Chase on in them. Yeah. 
Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but more more of like a base defender than anything. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. Well, I don't know anything about him, but I like the positional pick. That's that's what I do. He's he's definitely not <laughs> definitely not like a twitchy. He's probably more like in the mold of like a like a bit like a bit like more slender and a bit more like outside linebacker body like Dewan Smoot, if that makes sense. Okay, gotcha. Um. Okay, for my 126 pick, that's what we're on, right? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm gonna reach on Anthony Schwartz, a receiver from Auburn, who's probably the fastest receiver, if not player, in the draft class. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, kind of like you did with Smith Marset, it's just like an automatic speed element, and hopefully they have the potential to kind of uh, grow into more than that. And so, I think. Uh, like Dorsett was kind of a signing just as like a security signing so that if the Jaguars didn't end up getting like a speed guy in the draft, then Dorsett could kind of fill that role. But I mean, with Schwartz and like you with uh, Smith Marset, we both kind of were able to get it done, but later than in the first round, which I mean, are, are you like, I'm kind of set on the fact that like, I think it's because like last year I was hammering for a receiver in the first round for the Jaguars, yeah. but yeah. this year I think it kind of like doesn't make any sense, but where, like, where are you on that? it's just tough because this year's like receiver group like I, I i don't think rashad bateman like he's probably a player talent wise worth taking at number 25 overall but i don't think he makes enough sense for them and yeah. their needs but like but like you know say terrence marshall like he he's such an interesting prospect to me that i would probably consider him but other than that i can't I don't know any of these first round guys that I would consider. I, I, I don't think Kadarius Tony, who, you know, offers a lot of value as a yards after the catch guy. I don't think he's a guy I would take in the first round. And then Rondell Moore probably has too many red flags to justify picking in the first round. Uh, so I'll, I'm probably with you. Terrence Marshall and Elijah Moore are probably the only ones I consider, but you can probably get Elijah Moore at 33. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's just that. And then you also like don't want to like take away f- snaps from Chark or Chenault or Jones or even Colin Johnson who had a pretty impressive rookie season last year like you'd still like to see him get a little bit of playing time and so obviously receivers are awesome but the receiver room is also kind of like one of the few units on the team right now that you like don't need another like you already have quality starters at every starter position and so I think it'd be a lot make a lot more sense to kind of find value at that position later in the draft and search for potential starters elsewhere. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. I I wouldn't really disagree with that. Uh, I'm also going to take Visca to the slot to my grave. So, <laughs> hey, uh, understandable. I mean, I, as of right now, I think. Do, do you think that they're going to like kind of rotate them, like rotate, you know, like their receiving group? Because that's what kind of Meyer did at Ohio State. You know, like they had like droves of receivers playing. Or do you think they're going to have people like in defined spots, like the last couple staffs have? Um, I think they'll probably have it more in defined slots just because I think that they'll be good, especially like even Bevel too, at kind of like making sure they like have plays designed for their players. And so not that they can't do that for four players and they can only do it for three, but I don't know. Like that's like just like one of the many question marks about like how much of the offense is going to look like, like college and urban compared to the pros. And so like, I, I'm just expecting it to be more of a pro style offense. I mean, obviously still spread, but um, just more pro style like type plays, I guess, like yeah. until proven otherwise. Yeah, no, and that's I mean that's perfectly understandable. Okay, so I am now next up on the board at 145, first pick of the fifth round, and I, I'll be honest, I, I don't love kind of how the board has shaken up. You know, there's a lot of receivers I like on the board, Shy Smith from South Carolina, but I I feel like I kind of destroyed the potential of taking another receiver just because I, I don't know where another guy would fit on the 53-man roster. So instead, I'm going to go with a the first linebacker, Charles Snowden from Virginia, a, you know, height, weight, speed project. You know, it doesn't really have a defined role, but you won't find many linebackers who are longer and more athletic than he is. He, I mean, he, he, he just – you can – put on any Virginia game and I don't need to point out to you who he is on the field for you to recognize like, okay, this is a guy who's, you know, a draft prospect. Uh, he's, he's kind of too raw to, to translate to a role instantly, but I feel like in the Jaguars multiple scheme, they could probably find a use out of him in a couple of years down the road. And at the very least, he gives you some special teams upside and depth as of now. Gotcha. Okay. 
yeah, that, that pick sounds good. Um, okay. Uh, my yeah. pick is going to be... Uh... Yeah, gra- groundbreaking. I'm, I'm, I'm upset you don't have more takes on my uh, fifth-round <laughs> linebacker that I know you've never... <laughs> no, but no, uh, I, I, I mean... What what do you think about like adding a linebacker in general? Like I, I've seen some people like mock them linebackers at like twenty five or even thirty three. Like, do you think that's a position they just wait until day three? Definitely, especially if we're talking like off ball linebackers, um, like something that Miles or Schober plays. Especially because like I think that the Ravens like played a ton of dime, and so a lot of the ways that they got like um, extra players on the field was to like instead of having an off ball linebacker, they would play a safety there instead. I think they did that with Brandon Chuck was the guy they used most often for that role. Yeah. Um, and so like, and especially since linebacker position is probably the strongest position on the team right now. I don't think, I mean, especially taking one early just doesn't really make sense. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. So, so I, are you under the impression that I just let this pick on fire? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you did that at 33, so understandable. <laughs> I kid, I um, kid. Right, you're next uh i'm going to take running back chris evans from michigan which and, is probably a bit of an early pick but i mean um it's certainly a position that would be nice to get filled since carlos hyde is signed but he's not really going to do anything <laughs> more than james robinson obviously yeah but not like anything electric or in the passing game which is kind of what they need um, but Chris Evans was just like an insane athlete and is, has really natural hands out of the backfield. And uh, he had like insane freshman tape and hasn't really been as good the past two years. But if they can get him back to kind of where he was his freshman year at Michigan, then it could be like an absolute steal. So I'm going to I'm going to reach for upside a little bit and take a running back too. Yeah, no, I I, I like that pick. I, Evans is a guy who I, did, I identified in uh our Finding Jaguar series. I'm going to be doing it on every position. Uh, you, you know, you can find it on Jaguar Report where I'm looking at guys on each day of the draft who make sense in one way or another, whether it's for schematic reasons or uh, relationship reasons with the coaching staff. And Evans is definitely a guy I identified because, I mean, his route running ability as a running back is kind of, uh, you know, it's not unparalleled because Travis Etienne's is and Michael Carter are probably elite in that area, but he's right up there with them. So as a day three option for running back, I think that's a good pick. Yeah. So I think that's a way to go. Even if it's not Chris Evans specifically, I think just getting that, that kind of guy or that kind of mold makes a ton of sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. I am now at pick 170. I I know already picked a defensive tackle, but I'm going to go back to the well. Uh, And mainly because I feel like this is great value for this player. I'm going to go with, Marvin Wilson out of uh, FSU. You know, uh, Wilson is a guy who didn't exactly have an impressive last year at FSU. For some reason, went back to school, even though he was coming off a really solid season. But this at least gives the Jaguars another guy to kind of slot inside, inside that nose tackle rotation. You know, we mentioned earlier with Alalu being gone, the Jaguars are probably going to need bigger roles out of guys like Adam Gotsis and Devon Hamilton. But Marvin Wilson at least gives them a body to kind of fill that spot. And once again, a guy who can kind of take the roster spot of Taven Bryan. Uh, you know, he's, he's not a guy who's not a guy who's going to make a uh, many or even any plays uh, as a pass rusher, but he is just a complete unit as a nose tackle. And I, I I can see him being uh, kind of like a depth and maybe even potential successor for Malcolm Brown. We're really roasting Taven Bryan today, aren't we? Gone to the point where it's three times a pod. Just honest. Uh, I mean, I I also (laughs) have, I also had to come back to the point where I uh, I had said I already taken a defensive tackle, but that was you. So I had to I had to reiterate why it makes sense for me to take a defensive tackle. <laughs> okay, no, I actually do really like that pick. Uh, he's another one of the guys that like um, a while ago he was super high on draft boards, and he's kind of fallen back since then. So it's another one of those um, upside value picks, and so I like that a lot, especially as a Taven replacement. Um. What what was that pick? What pick are we on? Yeah, that was pick number one seventy. Okay. Um. Somehow I'm on one forty five. So there must have been another Titans pick that got to me. I was literally going to ask you when you picked Chris Evans, like, okay, what pick is that? Because I don't think you're on one forty five. <laughs> I, I just let you roll with it. So I'm gonna let you make the next two picks, 
And as with any Jaguar Report podcast, I love how in sync we are. Yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> I thought I had it on the last one, but all right, let me just try to um, – I'm actually going to make a trade real quick just so I can kind of get rid of okay. this one since apparently okay. I had another one. Uh, um, just... We're just going to try to swindle the Colts real quick. Okay. And while we're waiting, just looking at my board, I went – let's see. With the top six – with the top five picks, I went – Quarterback, offensive tackle, corner, running back, and tight end. So I went only one defender in my first six picks. But I've taken defenders my last three. One defender, yeah. I opened up a lot of offense, and now it's been a lot of defense, I think. Yeah, I, I, I did I did the same exact thing. Okay. I, I, I probably would have picked a receiver at 33 if not for – if Caleb Farley didn't fall too. True. Okay, did you, did you swindle um, Jim Mercer? No, one, Chris, John, no one's accepting my trades. Okay. <laughs> getting, then, oh, my trade has been accepted. Okay. I was trying to I was trying to swindle some division rivals and they weren't letting me do it. So I traded uh 145 to the Dolphins for their 2022 fifth round pick. So it's just a current fifth for a future fifth, I think. All right. I, I, you, you're going to have to keep track of all these trades. I hope you know what. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> no, um, no, there's no we'll see about it. um okay i need to decide which position yeah i want to target that you do my friend okay i know i know i'm taking my next pick i'm going full homer okay i'm gonna go with chauncey golston who is an edge at iowa um he's just pretty much like a he's more of a four three defensive end but i mean he could He's like an every down player and I mean, can rush from different positions and I don't know, just, I mean, at this point, I'm probably just going to say upside pick for every pick that's <laughs> on day three. <laughs> and, and I, I, I feel like it needs to be said that even with this scheme, I don't think they're going to be closing the book on guys who are like four, three style defensive ends because right. Uh, it's like, I mean, we saw like in Baltimore, like at times, like John Ward was literally lining up on the edge as a defensive end, you know? So, like, they, they give different looks. So, I honestly think guys like that make sense for them, too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, okay. I like that pick. I like what that was pick. Col- what was Colin's quote the other day? It's like, it's a 3 4, but it's an attacking 3 4, and we're going to use looks from 3 4 and 4 3. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I can pull it up real quick. He gave a really good quote to John Ozier who, uh, you know, he got asked about the defense. And I know we've all known what defense the Jaguars are probably going to run. I, I, I saw your replies, hardy, hard, hard. But considering <laughs> this is the first time any Jaguars coach has actually said with some clarity, it's still notable. So he said, Joe Cullen said, it's a hybrid. It's a 3-4 base, but we're going to end up in a lot of 4-3 looks. And basically, you kind of suit it to your personnel. Now, we have a feel what we're getting to, but it will be based on what we do and what our personnel can do. The best way to describe it is we're going to be an attacking defense that will have multiple looks of a 3-4 and a 4-3. There you go. So I think that means partly like that they're not going to say, oh, we need a 3-4 outside linebacker, so let's narrow it down to those guys. It's it's more going to be so like who are guys that can play 4-3 outside linebacker or 3-4 outside linebacker, just personally, as he said a million times in the presser. But Definitely. And I, I think there's a lot of guys this year who are honestly, you know, like we, me and you were talking earlier before the pod, how this edge class, like it has a few really good players, but no great players. But there's a lot of guys, especially at the top, that kind of fit that mold of they could be either an outside linebacker or a defensive end. Like, you know, Aziz Alujari, uh, definitely a smaller, more slender guy, but he plays with so much power and physicality in his hands. Like I recommend anybody – that doesn't think he can play on the line of scrimmage to watch him against Alabama last season and just watch him demolish pulling guards. So, and then I, I think Jalen Phillips is a lot of the same way. I think K. Whitty Pay is a lot of the same way. So I, I'm with you. I think they're going to value guys who can kind of function in either role as opposed to guys who are more or less. One yeah. Or the other. That uh, Georgia D end is an absolute freak. He's certainly one of the guys I would not be upset about at 25. Yeah, no, I've, I, for a long time, my stance was Moreg was the player at 25 who makes the most sense, but I, I'm reordering it. And honestly, I'm going like, if, like if I had to pick what I thought would obviously be the best case scenarios for the Jaguars at 25, I think it goes Jenkins first, Moreg third, but 
Alujari second right behind Jenkins. I would take him over Morang. I think he's I think he's a special uh pass rusher, you know. And my comp for him, we talked about earlier, is a meaner, more aggressive Yannick Ngakwe. <laughs> rushes rushes just like him, wins in really similar ways. Crazy bend, but he plays with more physical. Yeah, it's it's not in day in the run game, but that's certainly an exciting comp. But I, I like those rankings for number 25 a lot, especially because I mean I keep going back to the tiers, but there's definitely a drop off from the first two positions because as as i said there's a lot of really good options on day two for yeah. like the safeties and i i don't want it like to get taken like morek isn't a good prospect because i mean I, I gave him a late first grade i think he's worthy of taking in the first round it's just if you're looking at you know kind of like potential ceilings i think he probably comes in behind those two guys but i think he's still a good prospect but maybe it's gotten to the point now in the process where he's the guy you kind of settle at 25 if some of the other top guys don't don't fall there yeah absolutely i like that a lot or you just trade for okay. three future seconds like i did yeah yeah hey, and you can use those future seconds to trade up for kyle pitts because if you suggest <laughs> any tight end other than kyle pitts will play on the jaguars next season <laughs> you will have a mob on your hands yeah uh, <laughs> i've learned the hard way okay so I'm now at pick 249. Gus, I can say with confidence that I have no clue what pick you're on, but I can also say with confidence that I'm going to pick regardless. And I told you, man, I'm going full homer, going back to the 407, you know, UCF. I'm going to go Jacob Harris, a big-bodied receiver who played mostly on the outside uh, for UCF but also had some reps of tight end. He's kind of a receiver, tight end tweener in the sense that, I mean, if you call him a tight end, you know, he's only catching passes. He's not blocking anybody, so – I don't think his designation really matters, but he is a freak of nature as an athlete, uh, you know, has one of the best uh, relative athletic scores, RAS, in the entire draft class. And I, I believe I saw he had won, like, a top 15 one of all time, like, compared to receivers, like, not even tight ends. And, like, this is a – like, a, like you, you remember Neil Sterling from a uh, seven-pound pick from years ago? I think it was 2015. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he's kind of a player like that in the sense that you can call him a tight end, but he's basically just like a giant receiver. Okay, yeah, that's definitely going to be like another interesting part. I mean, we talked about the receivers, whether they're going to be like set roles for them. Like if basically if Urban's going to say, we need a Y guy, let's get a Y guy and have someone that's like a Mike Gusecki or something like that um, versus guys who are interchangeable and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like that pick. It sounded cool. You sold it well. <laughs> yeah, hey, thank you. Um, I, I, I like him a lot. I honestly thought he was going to be, like, a priority free agent. Like, when I watched him at UCF, like, he was a guy, like, I as a UCF fan knew because I watched him every weekend, but I didn't really expect for other people. But then I saw, I think Dane Brugler said he was, like, his like one of his favorite offensive sleepers in the draft. And I'm like, okay, I guess this guy is actually going to get drafted higher. And then I saw he literally had, like, the most insane pro day for a receiver. I'm, I'm going to pull up the numbers while you do your other pick. Okay. All right. Well, so I am on 249 now, fortunately. Okay. And so <laughs> with the last pick, I'm going to draft uh, Notre Dame's Ian Book because this is the guy that's the most like Gardner Minshew I've ever seen. He's more like Gardner Minshew than Gardner Minshew is, okay. where it's just he's solid in the short to maybe intermediate area, but he's really hesitant pulling the trigger and just kind of ends up running for three yards every single play. And so I think now you can trade Gardner Minshew for a fifth and then get the exact same player for a seventh. So it's chess, not checkers, John. I love how you're, you're, his, all right, as long as we trade him, we have to get a player. He's just like, <laughs> I, 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 I like it. I honestly, I, Ian Book as a day three prospect, I mean, I, I don't see anything to complain about. Because he's the same type of prospect as Gardner, too, where you know he doesn't have high potential. But, I mean, there's a lot worse players you can have kind of as quarterback two, or I he's suppose a, quarterback three if uh, Beathard is going to be playing. He's a better athlete than I thought he was. He has one of the best RAS scores of any quarterback in this class. Yeah, he's kind of nice. He's fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay, speaking of that, I, I pulled up Jacob Harris's uh, testing numbers. You ready? Yeah. All right, he's six foot five. 219 and he had a 40 and a half inch vert a 11 foot broad jump a 4.43 40 with a 2.45 20 yard split which compared to receivers it's like in terms of percentiles it's almost like at the very top and yeah. he had a bad shuttle at 4.31 but then his three cone was 6.51 so and like just 
and listing him as a receiver, he has a 9.88 RAS. So basically one of the freakiest receivers to ever test. Awesome. Did he play like just last year or has he been around for a while? He's been around for a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah, but with um, he who shall not be named, the current Tennessee Volunteers head coach. You know, I mean, not understandable for some eyes to come off UCF, but the Gus bus is here now and we're, we're ready to ride. And I'm not talking yes, about <laughs> my uh my school tight end story is that I was working at a spring game for the Gators a couple years ago and I was really excited to watch Jacob Copeland who's a receiver that's going to be hopefully really good next year um so I was just looking out for young guys and like Kyle Pitts was just like literally caught like 80 percent of the balls that day it felt like and I had no idea who he was but he was just like I mean he's just been a freak since day one man yeah he's insane. no 100 no, uh, some of these guys you can just tell instantly you know and like Kyle Pitts even like last year before he blew up like people who watched Florida knew who Kyle Pitts was entering the season yeah I I I can specifically remember before the season started texting some of my Florida friends and I was like man Kyle Pitts is gonna be a monster this year I I didn't expect him to have the kind of year he did I figured I figured he'd be a first round pick I didn't think he'd be you know potentially the first non-quarterback off the board but yeah he's that that Prospects like that are just who I like prospects I love to watch too. Just guys that you can like they're just different, you know. Like there's yeah. nobody else like them. Like I don't I don't know why people bother with comparisons for Kyle Pitts. Though I will say I've seen the Calvin Johnson comparisons and you should all feel ashamed. <laughs> Please look at their testing numbers and then reconsider what you are doing with that comparison. <laughs> I don't hate D- Darren Waller. That's probably been the one that I, I, I hate the so least. I, I I think probably like if you can say Darren Waller with better blocking ability and more consistency then yeah i i think that makes a lot of sense he just moves differently too it's yeah. it's just insane it's just so fun rooting for those prospects because there's no argument it's just yes yeah exactly exactly and uh it's hard for me to picture him not being good in the nfl so i'm i'm interested to see where he goes do you have do you have any landing spot you kind of prefer for him and don't say jacksonville because i there's there's a better <laughs> chance of you lining up a tight end next season <laughs> uh i don't think there is unfortunately it's pretty no, tough running. yeah no um, that, that, I, i've seen it that there's still a better chance that's how <laughs> improbable it is they get cop pits i just need all the listeners to know that and stop bombarding me with every time i do a mailbag i get a cop pits question it's like how many times have you answered to, it did you put it to rest I've answered it every time how <laughs> okay, many times do right. we have to keep telling you this old man <laughs> <laughs> okay well i mean like a couple months ago, I saw like a lot of drafts that had, or a lot of mocks that had Pitts going to the Giants at 11, which I thought was super interesting. And then there's also been like the Evan Ingram trade rumors for like what feels like at least a year now. And so I thought that was going to end up being like kind of the sleeper one that like no, no one really saw coming until the week before the draft when everyone started doing it. But that seems a little bit less likely now, especially since I highly doubt he'll make it to 11. But I mean, <laughs> like going to the Kyle Pitts to the San Francisco 49ers would not be the worst thing to happen. I I would be there for that. That would just yeah. be like Kyle Shanahan, like just balling out, like pulling a Sean Payne and saying, I can do this just because I can. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think the bright pick there is Justin Fields, assuming he's there, but <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not against per se Kyle Pitts, to the Niners, if I'm being honest. You're not moving to your first round picks up for Mac Jones. No. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Well, with, with that said, uh, Gus, I figured uh, two quick things before we end. Uh, let's go ahead and we're, we're going to put a poll on Twitter for you guys to vote on which mock draft you like more. But I figured we can go ahead and give you a quick rundown. Uh, I'll go ahead and give mine first and then Gus, you can. I went in order. Trevor Lawrence, number one. Kevin Jenkins, number 25. Caleb Farley, number 43. Travis Etienne, 45. Hunter Long, 65. Amir Smith-Marset, 106. Cam Sample, 130. Charles Snowden, 145. Marvin Wilson, 170. And Jacob Harris from the University of Central Florida at number 249. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right. The first three, your first three picks are just absurd. Like, I think yeah. I'm, about, I'm about to read mine, but I think yours is going to be, your draft is a little bit going to be a little better just because those first three picks were awesome and, and, and for and for the record for anybody saying like oh uh, there's no way that happens one using a simulator i didn't make so please take that up with somebody else 
because it's not me. And two, every year we hear people say there's no way this happens in the draft. And every single year it happens. So for anybody saying Farley at 33 is unrealistic, take it up with the chief of police. Gus, you're up. Yeah. And that's why draft season is the worst. But okay, my draft is one Trevor Lawrence next uh, in the second round, Pat Freermuth, Landon Dickerson, Davion Nixon, Andre Sisco, Sean Wade, Anthony Schwartz, Chris Evans, Chauncey Golston, Ian Book. But, but I also got three future picks. I got a 2022 Tennessee second. 2022 Detroit third, 2022 Miami fifth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, considering both those picks and the players you walked away with, because, I mean, certainly didn't walk away with, like, a bad class. Like, you you know, I had some really talented players. So, yeah, no, I, 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 you definitely, um, honestly, if, like, a draft is more realistic, it's probably yours just because you went more value and, you know, kind of uh, hitting, you know, like, their bigger needs. So, I, I mean, just the way you drafted, that kind of seems like the way they operated, at least in free agency. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be just super exciting just because the draft is going to, like, say so many answers about the coaching staff and the way the Jaguars want to put together a team. Not just, like, the 10 or 11 or however many guys they actually end up picking, but kind of the way they go about it. Yeah. like like The different positions at different times is going to be really interesting to see. Exactly. Like it like one advantage with Dave Caldwell for being there for so long is we knew what kind of types the Jaguars had and it kind of made it a little bit, you know, predictable going into each draft, like which guys they would maybe like. I have right. no idea with I have no idea with the staff, you know. Like I, I we obviously have our guesses, you know, like obviously Meyer's gonna want pass catchers with speed and obviously on defense they're gonna want versatility and guys who can excel in man coverage, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm excited to see some new uh, kind of thresholds and new trends start to uh, stack up. Yeah. I think my biggest galaxy brain theory for the Jaguars is that they're going to actually not end up taking an F tight end. And they're just going to say, we'll bring in man hurts every once in a while. We want a blocking tight end, but we're going to run four receiver sets pretty much all the time be for and the best. do it better than Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. It'd be for the best at this point. <laughs> so. it, it, it would be like, I, that that fat in room man I, I i did like the position primer the other day on it like just looking at it and it is it is something hey we don't talk down on james o'shaughnessy on this podcast though i'm james, sorry it, great 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 guy great great you know death player <laughs> nice adjustment <laughs> yeah no i mean i mean he is i mean no i mean he is but you know they, they still need a starter i mean Irvin Meyer, you know even basically said so that hey we need a starter but we got james if needed so Urban Meyer right. said it, not me. With that said, Gus, before we go, I want to real quick, I'm going to have an article on this, but I, I asked you this question before we recorded. Are there any picks at number 25 that you think would just be malpractice enough to the point where you think like the reaction should be like livid? Like, like just picks that you think would be straight up bad, awful picks from the jump process wise? I really can't think of any off the top of my head. And I think it's mostly because like, a running back on day one, especially considering this week draft class would be kind of brutal, but I'd also kind of understand the pick because I, I know that it would be part of urban Meyer's vision for what he wants to do on the offense. And so I wouldn't really be able to hate on it too much. And then like quarterback would be another position where I could end up saying like, what are you doing? But obviously that uh, is going to be fixed with the first overall pick. And then other than that, like, there's just like, the Jaguars still don't have a good roster, even though there's plenty of reasons to be excited about it. And mm-hmm. so it's not like, like um, strengthening a strength isn't necessarily unwise, but like, I feel like it'd be better to, I don't know. The Jaguars don't have like a super great, any super great strength. So like, I don't think there's any one position that I'll be like, why are you taking this guy when there's already three awesome starters? Sure. And so because of that, it gives them a lot of flexibility, which is just another reason why it's going to be exciting to see what they do. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think there are people that it would be a brutal? I I think there there are three picks on twenty five that I think should make people want to flip out. Probably only one would. Uh, I think picking either Travis Etienne or Najee Harris at twenty five would be kind of team building malpractice. If you're going to pick one, the Jaguars should take ETN because, like I said, he's more of a home run threat, offers more in the passing game, in the screen game. Najee Harris is, you know, he's my number two running back. I'm a big fan of everything he brings to the NFL. And I think he's going to be a really productive back, but 
he just isn't different enough from what they already have on the roster. You know, his biggest, uh, you know, weakness at Alabama was the fact that he wasn't really a home run threat. You know, really good player who can run routes and block, and he can do basically everything. He just doesn't have that kind of explosion. So I think him or ETM both at 25, but ETM probably probably be easier to stomach. And then I'm going to go Jason Owe. I, I watched, watched him, broke him down the other day. I probably would consider him at 33 just because I think an athlete that rare is at the top of the second round, probably worth considering, especially if you already had two first round picks. It's easier to justify kind of a roll and dice there. And I kind of think the same about Rondell Moore, you know, like, okay, it's more justifiable to pick him at 33 because he's not the second player you're bringing in from this class. You know, he's the, he's the third. You've already brought in two guys who filled, you know, presumably your two biggest holes, but I just, I think he's too raw as a pass rusher to the point where I think any edge guy they bring is going to have to be a guy who is ready to make an impact off the edge so that they can move Caleb on chase on around. And I just, I don't think always that guy right now. I think he's a few years away from being ready to make a big impact. And I think having him and chase on, on the field together just would be kind of counterproductive. So either running back at 25 or away, even though he's a, immensely immensely athletic and talented player he just isn't a great fit for them right now all right yeah that makes sense honestly i haven't done enough like uh film grinding of each specific guy but i'm glad that you were able to get the get the do not draft list out oh yeah but, i mean i'd honestly be a little bit more upset about a receiver almost more than a running back which i mean it's kind of really? a hot take but like i just like i mean partly it's maybe it's just because like i've gone so down the hole of like how much I want to see LaVisca Chanel in the slot just because I think he'd be awesome there. But, like, I don't know. Like I said earlier, like, adding a strength to a strength isn't, like, necessarily a bad thing, and especially when it's at a valuable position like receiver. But I just, like, I, I also just don't love the guys there. I do really like Rashad Bateman, but I'd kind of be surprised if he was there at 25. And, like, yeah. Rondo Moore and, like, Kadarius Tony are, like, super cool. But those kind of guys I don't want to spend a first-round pick on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I – I guess my only question would be to you is, do you have full confidence in both DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault playing a full season? Um, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Your face, your face did not say yes at all. I, I, I wish this, I wish they could see the video because your face literally says like, like, okay, no, of course not. And then you say well, yes. And I almost well, the pause right was there. long enough. I mean, that's what Philip Dorsett's there for, right? But it, the other thing, I mean, Dorsett's kind of a joke, but like Colin Johnson, like I said, is like yeah. had a. I was like, I that was one of the picks I didn't really love as much as others last year, but he turned out to be, I mean, He's pretty flashy, even yeah. in a part time role. So I certainly wouldn't just like giving him an opportunity for more snaps. That's another part of it, is they kind of already have like a young developmental guy in the background. Yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that was our dueling mock drafts. Uh, we're going to make sure we uh, publish this, let you guys let you vote on which ones you like more. I didn't make any trades, came away with 10 players. Gus, how many players did you end up drafting? I know you got three extra picks. Three, four, five, 10, and three extra picks. Okay. So we picked the same amount of players, but you got more picks out of it. That's how you do it, John. I'm in. Okay, James Smith. I'm in. You, <laughs> yeah, we'll, you, we'll see what the people you, think. You, I, I picked four first rounders, and you picked Kyle Rudolph. Se- <laughs> second pick. Uh, that's that's all I got to say about that. All right, that's fair. I can't even I can't even go against that. <laughs> but uh, that, that that was a fun exercise. Uh, th- this will not be our last. Probably have one more pod before the draft. And uh, then obviously we'll have our post-draft reactions. But thank you guys uh, again for listening. As always, you can find us at Jaguar Report. I'm at underscore John underscore Shipley. Gene, go ahead and give me your at. At Gus underscore Logue on Twitter. <laughs> you look fed up. All Gus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you guys. As always, Gus and I uh, enjoyed it immensely.